This begins part two of my interview with Stephanie McNeil concerning the disappearance of her brother, John Spira. John Michael Spira was a 45-year-old from Chicago, Illinois. He was a fantastic guitar player and self-employed. On the evening of February 23, 2007, John was at his business with plans to meet a friend at a restaurant at 8.30 p.m. John never arrived. He was never seen again. I'm at Denzel, and this is Unfound. Let's move on to the phone information. You've already kind of touched upon it about the pings. Why don't we talk about that again? What is the phone information regarding uh, John? We know that his phone is missing to this day, but the thing, uh, the pings, uh, do we know what the records are? Who was the last person he texted or called? What do you know about all of that, Stephanie? Um, yeah, so the information I have is that the phone in that area of his business, um, it never left. The phone never left, is what they said, that mm. area. And it pinged until around 11.30 when it stopped. Okay. So it was pinging until in that area until 11.30 when it stopped. Um, I know the person that he was supposed to have dinner with tried calling him. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Renata tried calling him several times. Um, but that last call was to the person he was he made plans with okay and you do you have uh john's phone records from that night i don't know i don't have the phone okay do, i know that I, the last call he made was at 709 p.m okay and, and that was to who and that was to the, his friend who he's going to meet for dinner okay 709 p.m his last okay. outgoing call Okay. And then, like I said earlier, he would have had to have left no later than 7.30, 7.45, so mm. whatever. And then his phone never leaves the area. So whatever mm. happened, in my opinion, yeah. happened between 7, you know, 7, 10, and probably 7.45. Okay. All right. So, and, uh, you know, was texting a thing back in 2007? It, it might have been maybe not the t- kind of not. texting we, we understand today, but... So you're, you're, to your knowledge, the last time he used his phone was 709. Yes, that's my understanding. Is okay. 709 was the last outgoing call. Okay. Let's move on to talk about Dave Steuben a little more deeply. Uh, I will just remind everybody, he says that when he left that evening, there were other people there. Um, and do we know what Dave says he did for the rest of that night. I, I Maybe you told me it had something to do with one of his kids taken to a sporting practice or something. Uh, what is his alibi for Friday evening, Friday night, after he left the business? So he says that he left around 7. He lives like 10 minutes from the office. Um, says he got home around 7.30. Stayed home for 30 to 45 minutes. Then he drove his son to hockey practice in Glen Ellen, another town over, um, and went, dropped him off around 8.45, and then went back to his house, um, and then stayed at home until he had to go back and pick his son up. Um, so, so I will tell you that I was told by one of the detectives years ago that his wife said he never came back to the house. Okay. All right, so Dave has one story, it seems, that his wife uh, has something a little uh, bit different there. Um, All right, so that's his alibi. Seems kind of solid, but maybe his wife is undermining all of that time. And and as you've already stated, it seems that this disappearance happened sometime between 7.15 p.m. and 7.45 p.m. of that Friday. And but Dave is saying that he had already left the business by that time by seven fifteen, right? Yeah, he says he left 
He says he left work sometime after 7 p.m. Okay. He also said something else, though. Did he say, uh, regarding John's disappearance, did he say something to somebody, I don't know if it was you, that, well, this isn't unusual. John went away a lot. Did he say that? Did Dave say that? He did. He said that, and so did Suzanne. Suzanne said that, too. And when they say a lot, you mean when they say go away, did you mean that to be a couple days, a week? What, what do you think? I have no idea what that meant because he's never not returned a call to me. He's never been missing as far as, you know, in mm -hmm. my life. He's, he's always available and there, mm -hmm. calls me back. Or, yeah, I never knew him to go missing ever. Um, okay. As far as Dave, I don't know. John had been out to Arizona, like I said, like the week before because of my mom's surgery. Mm -hmm. And I don't think he mentioned that he was going to be out of town then. So maybe that's, I, I don't know. All right, so, all right, so Dave kind of um, maybe poo-pooing, uh, at least in the beginning, John's disappearance, saying, I don't know, you know, he used to go away for a week all the time, but to your knowledge, to your other brother's knowledge, to your parents' knowledge, to other friends who knew, his band, you know, his band members and the rabble-rousers, that's all news to them. That was, that's not their impression of John. Never. Never. Okay. Never, never missed a gig, never went missing. This is the first. Okay. This is the first. All right, now I have to ask you once again, it's right there on the outline, I'm going to ask you about this uh, story, and this is you personally. Of course, a lot of these things you've kind of found out secondhand. You did not live in the area, but you, of course you've done spectacular work since then. I want to give you a lot of credit, Stephanie. But this is a story that... Uh, I believe you experienced one-on-one -on -one with with Dave shortly after John went missing. What did he say about snow shoveling? Oh, so um, when I, I went out to the business, on, I found out about John being missing on Sunday and flew in Wednesday and Thursday I was at the office. And at that point, I, it didn't occur to me that Dave's stupid would have anything to do with this but um i you know i was sitting there we were talking and, and he said he had to go because he had to go shovel suzanne's snow and i just thought he said a couple things that i i thought were weird one he said um john hasn't been around very much in the last couple of years mm -hmm. and i and i thought to myself well that must have pissed you off I mean, he's your business partner. He's not around right. the last couple of years. Right. That must have made you really mad. I didn't say anything about it. And then he and then he said, I got to go. I got to go to Suzanne's and shovel her snow. And he knew at that point that I was looking at Suzanne. Like she had something to do with this. And I just thought that was, that was really weird because if John's trying to prevent her from talking to Dave, how are mm. they in touch? You know, I just, I thought that was as far as you know i mean we you didn't follow him but that's what he said he was doing he said he was going over to john's estranged almost divorced wife's house to shovel her snow whereas you're thinking i didn't even know that dave and susan suzanne even communicated right that's what i was thinking okay and why would he go shovel her snow when he knows we think that she may have had something to do with this. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, that, is, that is curious. And we're, uh, I want to ask you a little bit more about that uh, a little bit later. But what is something that you stated in there, maybe we have to remind everybody, is that it's also curious because going back to the divorce of Suzanne and Dave, or Suzanne and John, that... The divorce was trying to be, they were, I guess John was trying to keep it a secret from Dave, right? That was the impression yes. everybody got. Yes. Okay. When do you think that Dave found out about the divorce that was going to happen between John and Suzanne, as, as best as you can tell? Do you think it's possible that Dave Steuben found out about this divorce that was going to happen on February 23rd, 2007? I think he knew about it before then, but recently before then. Okay. All right. So, like I said, it's very curious 
John's trying to keep a lot of information, at least that's the way you understood it at the time, the, the rest of your family understood it. And then all of a sudden, less than a week after the disappearance, Dave's going over to Suzanne's, allegedly, to shovel her snow. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. Um, in 2023, uh, Dave Steuben, uh, what has he done with his life? We're going to get to... Um, no, I'm going to ask you about that actually right now regarding, uh, Dave. Uh, he says that he left and John was still there with other people, but you or the police tracked these other people down. What did they say about that same evening of February 23rd, 2007? Do these other people's stories contradict what Dave said? Yes. All right, please talk about that. They, they say that Dave and John were the last ones there. All right, so just as an example, not getting anybody's names into this. So Dave is saying that John was still there with uh, Tom, Dick, and Harry. But then when Tom, Dick, and Harry uh, were finally tracked down to talk about John, they said, no, we left. And it was actually Dave who was still there with John. Exactly, right? Yeah, both those... Yeah, both of those guys were interviewed separately, and they both said, um, when I left, uh, it was just John and Dave. Okay. All righty, and do you think that this, as best as you can tell, would this have been around that 7.15, 7.20, 7.25 p.m. time frame that we've talked about this disappearance probably happening? Yeah, I think those guys left earlier, like 6.30. Mm -hmm. Oh, Okay. Seven. Okay. I can't remember. I'd have to look back on okay. that, but um, uh, but yeah, I think they left. Um, actually, all I'm trying to establish yeah. here is Dave has his story, and then two other guys have their stories. Right. And they're different. And they're different. Okay. In 20, what did uh, Dave Steuben do with his life after 2007, for example? Is he still married to the same woman that he was in 2007? As far as I know, as far as I know, they're still married. Um, I do think he moved out for a while. Okay. Girlfriend. Okay. That I got um, from a pretty reliable source, but is it true or not? I don't know for sure, but that's okay. what I was told. And, um... You know, he still owned the business. Um, yeah, and we're, we're going to get into what happened in the business six months after that. Uh, but, uh, has he, I guess what I'm asking is, uh, has he had any problems with the law? Any other people around him go missing? Any problems with other business partners? To your knowledge, you know, if you know. Um, I know that he, I think he got a DUI and an assault charge. He did. After Okay. Yeah, I think that's what it was, DUI, pretty sure assault. Um, yeah, so he had some, he had some issues. Okay, he, all right. He didn't, uh, he didn't, you know, in the very beginning, he seemed um, somewhat concerned and helpful. Mm -hmm. But then he just shut down. Okay. Yeah, to the point to the point that he's going over to Suzanne's and shoveling her snow. Right, and even at that point, up till April, he was talking to me mm -hmm. because I I didn't think I still at that point didn't wasn't thinking that he had anything mm -hmm. to do with it. And he said he, you know, he said a private investigator to talk, came to speak with him, and I'm like, well, yeah, you were the last guy to see him course and then I was like well do you do you feel accused and he said yeah mm-hmm and then I started getting like mm, well that's interesting um and then he just shut down he wouldn't speak to the police anymore he um he wouldn't you know if they came knocking on his door he shut the door he got a lawyer and he just he hasn't talked to them since right you said that he wouldn't take a polygraph test for example, as an example. Okay. Well, let's move now. So that's Dave Steuben.
Um, some maybe something going on there. He says one thing about when he left, but these two other witnesses uh, have a different recollection of what went on that Friday evening. But he does have this alibi. He says he went home, took his son somewhere, but then maybe his wife is kind of undermining that. That will be all of you for all of you to figure out. And maybe we have to also look at this uh, point of um, John withholding information from Dave regarding this divorce, and that might be relevant to their business. Um, but once again, we don't get into theories here, but, you know, Dave is certainly somebody that should be considered. But let's now move to the person you uh, first uh, thought was responsible for this disappearance, and that was Suzanne. What is her alibi for that evening of Friday? Do you even know? Does she have a story? Can anybody corroborate it? No, she didn't really talk much either. Um, she, well, what she did say was that she would keep telling the same story. She'd always tell the same one. She, she actually told the police that some people lie and can't keep their stories straight, but that she'll tell the same story 20 times over and never change it. Mm -hmm. um, I think she just said she was home. Okay. By herself? Yes. Okay. All right, so that's her alibi. Uh, of course, nobody's there to verify it. And uh, as you've already stated a couple times, at least in your family, John goes missing. You and your family thought that probably she was responsible. Right? That was your first, that yeah, was your knee-jerk knee reaction to this. Okay, so yeah, that's her alibi. I, I, I'd even asked him when he was in town the week before, you know, and he was talking about how awful it was with mm -hmm. her. I said, do you think she'd ever hire somebody? And he said, no, no. And that is you in know, the outline. I was going to off. ask you about that. Yeah. I thought that it was John's comment. So you actually asked him about it and he dismissed it. Right. He said, no, that okay. wouldn't happen. And just, but I just, I mean, please. I thought about it. I, I thought about her yeah. doing that enough to ask him if that was a possibility. It was a serious question at the time. I, I can understand why. Uh, we've covered quite a few disappearances on Unfound where people go missing during the, the course of a divorce. Although I will say John's disappearance, a little uh, more uh, unique compared to those others, given some of the other things were going on in his life. But you did ask him, but then he dismissed it. Yeah, he totally dismissed it. Okay. No, not Okay, but it, 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 we have to remember, this is what, how, how many days before he went missing did you ask him that? Uh, it had been uh, a couple weeks before. Just a couple weeks before, wow. Yeah. Uh, I, I have to ask you, uh, how quickly did that question come to your mind when you found out that John was missing? I, I guess right within a split second, right? Split second. Okay. Now here's a big question. Being that it seems Suzanne uh, would kind of make a pretty good suspect if we're to believe the foul play occurred with John's disappearance. But then we have Dave. Seems like he told this story about, you know, the alibi and who was there last at the building doesn't seem to go together. And then he talks about going over to shoveling snow for Suzanne. I just have to ask you, before this all happened, what was your impression of the relationship between Dave and Suzanne? Did you did they know each other? Did the the couples ever the, the business partners ever double date sometimes? How well did Dave and Suzanne know each other? I think pretty well. Like I said, they used to be friends. And so they would hang out with Dave mm -hmm. and his wife and his kids and do stuff socially together. Um, mm -hmm. At least up until, you know, a couple of years before he went missing. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm also asking you is since John's disappearance, has anybody ever been able to establish that maybe that Dave and Suzanne were kind of keeping in contact with each other like behind the scenes without John's knowledge, something like that. Has that ever been established? 
I mean, being that Dave's going over to shovel her snow, it means they're in contact with each other somehow after John after John's disappearance. What do you think about all that? Well, the only thing I know is that John was trying to have them not talk. Right. Apparently, um, I think it just came from Renata, is that every time they'd have a fight or something, she threatened to call Dave. Um, and I don't know why that was such a big threat to him, but it was. Mm-hmm. Um, she threatened to call Dave or, you know, he just didn't, he just didn't want them talking. So they, I don't know what they were. They may have been, um, but I don't know what to what extent. Okay. Because I think, once again, we don't do theories uh, on this. So we don't go uh, down into Conspiracyville and Theoryville and all that. But I think uh, what a lot of people have heard so far is, well, Suzanne surely would have had a, maybe a pretty decent reason to make John disappear. And then with Dave and his story, it seems like maybe he might be responsible, but... The two of them don't seem like two peas in a pod, so it's hard to imagine them working together on this. And that's what I'm asking you: is that given their relationship, you know how you know is that something that occurs to you? Listen, anything's possible in this case. There are mm-hmm. so many twists and turns and possibilities, and it, you know anything's possible. Mm-hmm. Is that Number one on my list is no. Okay. Um, I think there are a lot of, you know, you could probably make the argument that's that's not where I'm going. But okay, you know, to me, anybody involved in his life, everybody's right. a suspect. Right. Gotcha. Now we can't forget about this. Uh, Suzanne does have a murderer in her family, and it's her daughter. So do we know, uh, of course, this murder, I think, happened back in the mid-90s, so this would have been like 12 years later when this disappearance occurred. Uh, was the daughter still in jail? Where was she? Does anybody know where Suzanne's daughter was when John went missing? That day? No. Yeah, February 23rd, 2007. Uh, where was her daughter? Any ideas? Probably in the, I, I don't know. We never really went down okay. that road. Okay. Um, but uh, it probably occurred to me, but uh, we didn't really investigate that. Okay. Um, she was out. Of, she was out of prison at that point, and okay. she had a daughter. John and Suzanne, you know, they were in touch with her a lot. They would go to New York to see her, mm-hmm. and um, she never said a word to us after he went missing. Nothing. Okay. Just have to want to remind everybody that uh, Suzanne's daughter in around 1995 killed her boyfriend. And once again, I don't know what the circumstances were. I don't know how long the sentence was. But if you're going to have it, we have to, I have to ask that. Uh, you know, find out if she was still in jail. Uh, I just have to ask that. But the big question is, where is Suzanne now in 2023? What happened to Suzanne? Well, she's dead now. Um, yeah, she died, uh, 2010 and, um, she had, she had some disease. I'm not sure what it was, Mm -hmm. but apparently her landlord found her in her apartment, uh, on her floor dead. The medical examiner said it was natural causes. Mm -hmm. Um, we didn't find out for six months. Wow. Okay. Did, uh, at least on paper, did John and Suzanne end up getting divorced? No. So they were still married at the time of her death in 2010? Yes. All right. So um, did she continue to live in the house? That what, what all happened there? Over there? I guess if it's 2010, three years later, what went on in those three years for Suzanne? The house was foreclosed and she moved back to New York. Wow. Okay. We now have to talk about some other issues uh, regarding John's disappearance that uh, maybe just aren't as um, high profile. Uh, but you know, you would, uh, you, as you can tell, maybe for the listeners, Steph has uh, sent me a lot of information, and there are a lot of 
other unusual things besides just Suzanne and the business and Dave and all of that. We talked early on about this Escalade repossession that had to do with another business that John was moved in, that was involved in, uh, John owned. And this happened right before he went missing. And it's kind of, I guess, eventually kind of connected to Renata. What was this issue with this Escalade and, and this guy then meets up with Renata. What what can you say about all that? So, yeah, so John had this Escalade, and he had to take it back from this guy, Dave Coates, I think his last name is. Um, John was doing this other business called Flight Matrix at the time. Something about leasing their jets or something. Those big, they had these big plans, and um, this guy, Dave, didn't, really care for John. I was told by the other partner who is now dead also. Um, and uh, at any rate, I guess he wasn't paying John for the vehicle, so John came and took it back. And um, I thought it kind of odd that that guy and Renata like jumped, or somehow got into the yard at Universal Cable right after he went missing and were looking around. I didn't know how those two had gotten together. So that was kind of interesting and strange to me. Uh, yeah, especially since Renata, she I, she seems like an innocent party in all this. She's actually the one that got this all started. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. looking for John, expecting him at that music gig. He's not there. She starts calling people, doing I guess what we would say was all the all the right things. But then on the other hand, she's hooking up with this guy who had ticked John off, and she and this guy are breaking into the UCC property. Is is that the best way to explain it? They broke into it? Yeah, not inside the building, just kind of like outside on the grounds, just looking for things and evidence. So, yeah, I thought that was strange. Did you ever talk to... How did you find it? First of all, how did you find out about that? Uh, Do you remember? There's a police report about it, and I think she told me. She told you? Oh, she told you. And did she ever explain what she's doing hanging out with a guy who John had ticked off? Did she ever explain that? No. She never explained that. Um, I guess they did find, they found there was a club or like a, a big wooden piece of wood that they thought had blood on it. They gave uh-huh. it to the police. It was tested. It was not blood apparently. But yeah, I, I remember thinking that was strange. I, I had so much information come I mean you could see this case has so much information yeah mind boggling the whole thing is mind boggling I I, I realize that (laughs) I realize that it's just uh, you know that's the something though that really comes out of left field in this whole disappearance that just when you think you have a good understanding of it suddenly his girlfriend and some guy who John obviously did not get along with, was not pleased with the work that this guy was doing in this other business. Suddenly they're hooking up and going on to the UCC property, trespassing, and even if that piece of uh, that wood or whatever had something on it, it would not have been admissible because it, it was collected illegally. You know, they're going and doing that, and then Renata doesn't even explain why she did that. You know, it's... it's, it's yeah. It's a, okay. We also, even when it comes to John's band, the Rabble Rousers, there was a unique um, response to all of this uh, regarding the band, I guess, manager, whose name is Rich, and then this photographer, to the point uh, where it seemed Rich was trying to tell all of the musicians that, yeah, just tell everybody that, yeah, John did show up for that gig on that Saturday night when we know that John did not. He, this is, once again, somebody rich who John was friends with. They were in the band together for a long time. Why don't you give put that all in your own words, Stephanie? Yeah, I, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't even know what to think about that. Um, he was in this band, and him and Rich were best friends. And um, when John went missing... Uh, we took some of those, they had a ton of photographs on their website, and we used those to, you know, put on our website that we've made, and 
they took them away and said, we're going to sue you for copyright and found out that Rich apparently told people not to say, to, or to say, if a reporter calls, yeah, John actually played Saturday night. And I got that from a reporter. I got that from a reporter when all this was initially starting. Well, he said that John showed up Saturday night. Did you ever have a chance to uh, talk to Rich about this? Did he really say that it was this just some reporter uh, misunderstanding or something? Do you ever have a chance to talk to Rich about that? I, I didn't ever talk to him specifically about that. No. I did talk to him later. It was like in July about you know his lack of assistance and help and taking the, you know, accusing or threatening to sue us for using the pictures yeah. you know well why i just didn't understand it this is your best friend so i didn't understand that but i'll tell you that another another band member rick yeah. has been enormously helpful to us and supportive right. and participates in everything and he was just with us in chicago uh, a couple weekends ago helping us with flyers and he's been a gem so, and apparently they thought, and I got this from Rick a couple weeks ago, that John would come back. Yep. And uh, I said, but had he ever missed a gig? No. But they thought he would come back. They just thought, oh, he's going through this divorce, and he's having issues, and maybe stressed out, he'll come back. So that kind of maybe explains some of that reluctancy to, to put it out there in the public domain when they thought this is just personal problems that John's had. And uh, listeners should know, uh, Stephanie uh, uh, did give me a uh, Rick, I guess he's the keyboardist in the Rabble Rousers back then, and I also had a chance to talk to Rick myself. And a couple things that stood out to me, Stephanie, was that he did not have any idea that, that Rich and this photographer had given you such a hard time about those things. He said that was all news to him. He also said that it was yeah. news to him that Rich was telling some of the band members to just say, oh yeah, that John was at the, the gig that night. That was also news to him. I guess I was the first one who ever said that to him, at least the way he remembered it. Yeah, I'd never really brought that up with him. Okay. No reason to. Okay. All right, so uh, the listeners uh, can take that for what it's worth. Um... Moving on. Now, this is the other perplexing part of this disappearance is regarding a billboard and the fire. Why don't we first talk about the billboard six months later? You, uh, I guess, got a billboard finance with a tarp or something like that, and it got taken down twice. Want to explain all of that, you know, where it was and why you did it and what happened? So, right across the street from Universal Cable Construction is a big field, and so with the DuPage County Sheriff's Department, we decided to put up a huge um, billboard right across the street with John's pictures on it and everything. So, I had one made, it was big, it was like 20 feet by 5 feet, really just a banner, and then my friends put it, <clears throat> attached it to, you know, big two by fours and 10 by fours and put it in the ground. It was pretty solid. And, and it was right across the street from where he disappeared from. Um, that billboard went in September 14th, probably around 7 PM. Um, there were people, I don't know who, but people at universal cable watching it go up. Nobody came over to help or say anything, uh, but they saw it go up Friday night. And, um, and then it disappeared and Sunday the building was on fire. So Brian from Brian's char house called me Sunday night and said, Hey, I just drove by the business and it's in flames. And there were a bunch of fire engines there. Um, they couldn't go in the building because thousands of rounds of ammunition were going off. So there was wow. a big fire. The place was decimated. And my first question was, 
when I contacted the detectives was, where's the sign? Where's the sign? Um, because I, I felt it was a huge coincidence. We put that sign up, you know, less than 48 hours ago, and yeah. now the sign's gone. The building's on fire. It was crazy. So the building where John was last seen, his business with Dave went up in flames six months later uh, after he went missing, and it was just 48 hours after you put up this billboard about John's disappearance right across the street. Yes. Okay. Uh, was there ever a uh, this fire accidental, on purpose? What did they determine? Arson. So intentionally, I think they called it incendiary. We'll just call it an intentional fire set by someone. Uh, to your knowledge, have they ever caught who did that? No. All right. Do you ever have any no. idea of how the fire got started? Was it started with gasoline, uh, with a flare gun? Any any idea of how the fire even started at all? I don't know. No. Yeah, I don't know how okay. it started. Uh, I have to ask you this. Being that you said you FOIA'd information for John's disappearance, have you ever tried to do a FOIA on the investigation of the fire? Yes. You have? Okay. Every time I've done one, I've requested information, but I just got a, a report. It's pretty... There's not a lot of information in it. All right. So it doesn't say, for example, how the fire got started, when the fire got started, anything like that. It talks about where... It started, and it just was mm. incendiary. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't say arson, but I've been told they said it was arson. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, very, very limited information on that. Okay. And uh, we something interesting, though, that you told me, I, I'm not sure we need to get into the business specifics of this, but the business was owned by John and... Dave, but the property and the buildings were actually in Suzanne and Dave's wife's names. Is that correct? That's correct. All right. So if this this building burned down, it would then be Suzanne and Dave's wife who would be actually getting the insurance money, I guess. Is that how it worked out? Do you know? My understanding is that there was a huge payout on that mm -hmm. and... Some of that, I think, went to Suzanne. Okay. But I don't, I don't have all the information on that, so I don't know for sure. Okay. So this fire happens, and it's not something, I guess, I mean, Dave's married to her, but uh, it's not like the money would be necessarily going straight to Dave. It was arson trying to pull something like this, you know, insurance fraud, I guess is what we would call it. Um, that's not exactly how it would work. But what happened on that property? So the building burns down. It's arson. Still unsolved over 16 years later. What happens to that property? Nothing. It just sat. So Universal Cable moved out of that building, moved into another building. And that property just sat and sat and sat. I don't know what happened to it. I was by there a couple weeks ago. And there are people. There's activity there. There's a business there. I don't know what it is. It's not Universal Cable. It's something else. So... I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it's being leased out or what the situation is exactly. Okay, so uh, so another building was built on that property then? No, well, the structure remained, but oh. it was pretty well totaled. Oh, it was gutted, so the I guess what they said. The structure is still there, it's just the internal. All right, so it got the what they, all right, was gutted. Okay, understood. And does, does uh, Dave still run this company, UCC, uh, or, or, or does that business even still exist? I don't think it exists anymore. Okay. okay. Let's move on to this. Now, there's maybe one more unusual thing, uh, at least one more unusual thing, uh, that we're going to be talking about for the purposes of this episode. And that is, there's another disappearance... John goes missing, but it seems he knew a woman who also knew somebody else who went missing. Scott Arcaro, A-R-C-A-R-O. Uh, please explain that to the listeners. And this also happened right around the same time. Oh, such a weird coincidence. So one of the, they had these go-go dancers um, in their band. Mm -hmm. And one of them was good friends with John. 
and she also had a good friend named Scott O'Carroll who went missing the night before John. John and Scott didn't know each other, but uh-huh. it's just a weird coincidence connection. You know, okay. how many missing people do you know in your lifetime? And she knew two guys who went missing within 24 hours of each other. That is crazy. At all, I don't think, but just kind of a weird coincidence. Um, you know, he went, so there are several missing people. It's John, Scott O'Carroll, um, Casey Peterson, Lisa Stebick. Yeah. All this was going at the same time, around the same time. Um, and so the Lisa Stebick, you know, John was in the news a lot, and then Lisa Stebbett went missing, and then mm-hmm. she was all over the news. And then Stacey Peterson went missing, and obviously, you know, that just right. blew up. And there's some weird connections between John's case and her case, and um, there's, you know, just some some strange coincidences and and uh, information. Yeah, was did I read somewhere that is it possible that John knew Scott Peterson or something. Or they they hung out. They, they went. You mean Drew? Pe- Drew, Drew Drew Peterson. I'm sorry, Scott Peterson, California. Drew Peterson. Right. Yeah, Drew Peterson. It, it, wasn't there something that they might have known each other or run into each other at one time or something like that? Well, he Drew Peterson had a bar in Montgomery where and I John used to play. His band used to play in Montgomery. I don't think it was at Drew Peterson's bar. Um, they both, John and Drew both have lived in Bolingbrook. Um, mm-hmm. John had since moved. Um, they both, I think Drew Peterson is a pilot or was a pilot, and they both used DuPage Airport. Um, Drew's brother-in-law or somebody he knew was a, a cable guy. So there's a, you know, there's just strange. Okay. Records. I don't, I don't think it means anything, okay. but interesting right and uh for the listeners uh regarding scott Ar- arcaro uh i'm gonna take a look uh into that and i'll probably just have a little bit of a commentary on it uh in the uh the final part of this episode just to um catch everybody up on that you know i just i i've already kind of looked into it they don't seem to be connected but i will put something on the record uh before this episode is over. I want to ask you uh, just some final questions here, uh, Stephanie. Um, given that John is John now considered to be deceased, has he ever been declared deceased? He has not been legally declared deceased. All right. So I guess what we're then saying is that uh, nobody, including Suzanne, if he ever had any life insurance, nobody got any paid out. Correct. All right. And we have to so, remember she only lived f- for three years after this anyway. But He had life insurance on him, but it lapsed mm-hmm. because he was a missing person, not because he was dead. So that just lapsed. Okay, right. He's a missing person. Can't Life insurance uh, will not pay out for missing people. And being that it was not declared deceased, so I'm not sure there could be a life insurance angle to this. Just the next question. Any conspicuous spending by Suzanne or Dave after John disappeared? To your knowledge. Not that I know of. I will tell you there was an American Express card. It was a company card. Okay. That was, But it was John's. But his card was used twice. Once in September after he went missing and once in December. Wow. How did you find that out? A collection agency called. Wow! Called you. And we're like, "What are you? What are you talking about?" Well, he got these charges, and they, you know, of course, we sent it to um, DuPage County, but mm-hmm. um, they never really did anything with that. How do you, you know, his his credit card used twice? Do we know what the charges were for? Do we know how much they were? Do you do you have that in your records? Do you remember? Two purchases: September '07, December '07. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what the charges were. I, I seem to recall they were related to the business, but I don't remember. Do you know? Do you, do you have it in your records how much those purchases were for? No. Okay. Nominal. 
nominal charges. Now, I could be wrong, but wouldn't that September charge have been around right around the same time that the fire happened? Yeah, the fire happened in September. So there's a charge out of nowhere. There's a charge on this card, and then the fire happens the exact same month. Wow. And another charge in December. Yeah. In December. Okay, never been explained. I guess Dave didn't have any explanation for it. And I guess, uh, was it your thinking that at least when John went missing, that that card went missing with him? I don't know. I mean, his wallet was missing. So mm -hmm. whatever card he had in his wallet went missing. I don't know if that was in his wallet. So okay. Sure. All right. That's... Just wonder if somebody made a mistake of some type. But I guess what we're saying, that the, being that a collection agency was calling you, it means the card was used and then the bill was never paid. Correct. Wonder if that bill, I wonder if that bill ended up getting paid. I don't think so. I always thought that was a pretty big deal when I heard about that. Yeah, I agree with you. didn't really think so. Very interesting. Okay, uh, once again, something else to throw in there uh, regarding uh, you know a lot of information here, and that's why this interview is uh, over two hours long. Y'all, all you are now seeing why this is a uh, we're sp I'm splitting this into two episodes that everybody's going to find out eventually when listening to this. But as you can see, we're packing a, a lot in here, a lot to talk about. Uh, one last question uh, regarding Suzanne and Dave, given that you know certainly. We're always trying to keep an open mind here at Unfound, but we, we just have to continue to, to talk about these two. Uh, any proof that Suzanne and Dave were close until she died in 2010? Do you, any proof that those two got together, given that uh, you know Suzanne was known to date other men? Any chance that Suzanne and Dave actually had a thing going on, anything like that until she died in 2010? No, I don't think so. I'm not, I, I have no proof of that or okay. even any indications that they were, you know, a thing at all. Um, did they keep in contact after? Mm. I believe they did. I think they had to talk business mm. um, in terms of, you know, the business, you know, the business asset and the fire money and all that. So, mm -hmm. um, but were they a thing? I don't think so. I don't know. Okay. Anything's possible. Like I said, I mean, there are so many different ways you could look at this. I guess what we're also saying, maybe the kind of the unspoken part about all of this regarding Suzanne and Dave is that Suzanne not once, to your knowledge, ever pointed the finger at Dave and said, I think Dave caused John's disappearance, right? She never did that. No, and she stood up for him. She stood up for Dave. And then to, to do the same thing with Dave, Dave, given that this divorce was going on, Dave never said, you know what? I think Suzanne could be responsible for John's disappearance. He never said that. He never said that to me. Okay. All right. Uh, Stephanie, uh, the last 16 and a half years, I know you've done a lot of fabulous work. I know you've done a lot of interviews. Of course, I've got, I got to watch the True Crime Daily, uh, YouTube video, for example. Um, you know, can you speak for your family in talking about the last 16 and a half years, speaking for your brother and anybody else in your family, parents, uh, if they're still with us, um, you know, what can you say about how bad the last 16 and a half years have been? Um, well, it's, you know, decimated our family. He was, he was special. Obviously, we think he was special and um, we were very close. We, it, it, it's, it's hard to describe. Um, my mom has since died. She just died about a year and a half ago with, with no answers. So that's another hit. And, you know, every yeah. day you wake up, it's another day yeah. without answers. And um, it's just been devastating. It's It's been life-changing. I think it impacted, um, well, it impacted all of us differently. We're, we've, we're all still grieving. Yeah. It doesn't stop because, because we don't, 
it's never it never ends. It's not like we got to, you know, have a funeral for him, say goodbye. That is such an important ritual when people die. I've come to realize how important that is because you you get to say goodbye and you yeah. get to have your kind of send off. But we never got to do that with John. And it's just every day you wake up and wonder, what the hell? What the hell happened? Um, who could have done this? And uh, that, you know, takes a toll. It's it's uh, yeah. It's very devastating. So it's been really, been really difficult. You know, I, I think it impacted, you know, my family here in Arizona because all I wanted to do was be back in Illinois doing searches and getting the answers. And you know, my kids were little, and so it's it's been it's been really tough. Now it's just kind of part of our lives. It's just yeah a piece of our lives and um we just have to deal with it but i don't want to stop because i don't think john would want me to stop i think john is really mad <laughs> if he could be he'd mm -hmm. be livid and want to find out who did this and um so i mean there's only so much i can do you know right. after all this time people die People forget. I forget. I've forgotten a lot. Um, and, uh, the, you know, the police, the detectives, they're not interested anymore. And so there's only there's only so much I can do. I run out of ideas. We had that uh, poster, the flyer thing a couple weekends ago when I was in town. And um, But those events are getting, you know, fewer and fewer. Um, a lot of years pass between those. So. There's only so much you can do. But if the families don't do anything, the police right. don't do anything. All right, that's true. Absolutely true. There's no manual on, on how to deal with a missing person when they go missing. There's no book. I think I told you. I, I went to the bookstore after I went missing to find out, okay, what do I do? What steps do I mm -hmm. take? Yeah. Like, there's no book on this. There's yeah, no instructions. So you have to learn as you go and... Uh, been quite a journey a journey i do not want to be yeah on. and and all the while you have your own life to leave you know you're you're a mother uh, you know I, I i'm guessing you have a job of some type you you have your own life to live and then you have this on top of it right right yeah, and, uh, and, and work has helped a lot i work a lot and so that's you know when i'm working i don't have to think about it that's, yeah. that's been good. But, you know, it's definitely impacted, you know, my relationship with my kids because I don't feel like I was there as much as I should have been. Not yeah. to say that we have a great relationship, but I would have been a better mom had this not happened, I feel. It's very common. Uh, you know, I've done over 300 of these interviews now, mostly talking to um, family members Stephanie and what we always talk about is balance trying to find that balance between trying to figure out what happened with a missing loved one and then living your own life and being a good mother uh, wife uh, you know or you know good employee or business owner and whatever else and it's a hard everybody struggles with that trying to find that balance it's difficult especially for um, parents of who have lost children, mainly adult children, you know, you're so they're so focused on finding out what happened to their one child, but also they can't forget about, of course, caring for all their other children, and you know, trying sure. to find that balance. Uh, many people I've talked to, mainly mothers, um, you know, have talked about how that can be a struggle. So you're not alone in thinking of thing. You know, it's it's hard. Trying to trying to schedule everything, you know, your own life, and then making sure that John is not forgotten. Yeah, it's, and it's you know being so far away to yeah. its challenges, um, but and then you know like there's guilt. I'm not doing enough. I should yeah. do more. So it's it's and I know I'm not alone. In, in yeah, I'm sure a lot of missing people's families have these same. They have the same struggles. It's just it just never ends because yeah. there's never an end yet. 
Now, you did have, just within the last couple of weeks, you did have an event uh, up there in Chicago. A bunch of people got together for some searches, putting up flyers. Why don't you talk a little bit about that, and then we'll conclude this interview. What what went on there? How many people showed up? What, what did you do? Uh, there was, you know, there was a handful of us. Um, we just went around and put up posters and, you know, just in the, in the areas um, where he went missing and uh, just to remind people that we're still there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I called some media, but I think it was in one newspaper. So people definitely have forgotten. But, you know, we, we do have a Facebook page, Missing John Spira, and there are so many people who are so great and wonderful and supportive. Uh, it just blows my mind, really, how mm-hmm. supportive people have been all these years later. A lot of our friends from high school, um, they're the diehards. <laughs> they're at everything. Yeah. And um, it's it's pretty amazing. John would be absolutely astounded by <laughs> these friends who've just been there from day one and some who came out of the woodwork and helped us. And uh, so that's been that's been pretty nice. So, yeah, some of the diehards were there a couple weeks ago when we did our little event. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's harder and harder to to get people together for this because it is so many years later. You know, I should have asked you, uh, going back a little bit into uh, the, 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 the discussion of all these technical details, and then we'll get, I want you to, of course, mention that Facebook page and anything else, any other social media here in a moment. I want to go back to the, to the fire. It's something that you said that when the fire was happening, that thousands of rounds of ammunition were going off, and that's why they had to let this thing burn. Uh, that's to believe that's Dave's ammunition that he was storing at the business. Um, I I guess so. I think that I mean some of it may have been John's because he would go hunting. Okay. And some of it may have been there was another guy who named Dan Malpin. Um, mm-hmm. He worked there and he also owned the property in Missouri with Dave Steuben. Okay. At least that's what I was told, um, which was a hunting property. So it could have been all of theirs. I don't know, but it was a lot of rounds, like a crazy amount of rounds of ammunition. Okay. Are we then, can we then say, is every, anybody ever alleged, once again, given that John is missing and there's probably foul play, has that anybody ever alleged that there were guns kept at that business as well? I've never heard that. Never heard that. Okay. Just wanted to... Not, Okay, haven't heard anything like that because uh, as a gun owner myself, you know, when I hear ammunition being someplace, usually there are guns nearby. And so I felt that I needed to ask that. Just wanted to follow up uh, with that. Um, why, why don't you... Please, please, go ahead. Sorry to interrupt. I just wanted to say also about that the poster that or the billboard that went missing. Yeah. Um, right after that fire happened... Uh, we decided to put up another one. It wasn't as big. It mm-hmm. wasn't in the same exact spot. But that that was found dismantled just right after we after we put it up. Somebody dismantled it and took it. Gone. Stole it? It's gone? Yeah. I don't, it was gone. It was just taken apart. There was some, I guess, some wood left, but it was, it was taken apart. And people always say, oh, you should have put cameras on it. You should have put cameras on it. Well... <laughs> but then they took them down because um, it just kept catching all the cars that were going by. So they mm. took them down, and then lo and behold, somebody dismantled the, the sign, and um, we didn't catch it. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Yep. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot. There's certainly a lot. We've, uh, we've certainly packed a lot into this... Uh, two-hour and 20-minute uh, interview, Stephanie. So why don't we f- uh, finish up with you mentioning the Facebook page. Of course, anywhere else that you can be found on social media regarding John's disappearance. Um, yeah, I'm missing John Spira. That's the Facebook page. That's pretty okay. much it. Um, we, used to have, we used to have johnspira.com. We don't have that anymore. Um, so it's just the Facebook page now, Missing John Spira. Mm-hmm. And uh, so people can... Can friend us. 
I don't, I'm not on it a whole lot unless something's going on or I found something out. I don't post too much, but um, uh, that's the page. Okay. Stephanie, any final words before we complete this interview? Um, no, I just really appreciate your your interest in John's case and helps keep it going. And uh, you know, I, I I wish I I wish I had answers. We still hope, and these interviews, I think, help us keep this alive and keep it going and keep people interested in this, so that the person or people who did this to John and it this is a murder case now. It's a homicide case. Um, and they know who they are, feel some pressure. Right. Right. That's what we try to do. And we have had uh, certainly some success, and I certainly hope that uh, putting this out there can, you know, help you move all of this forward, get some, uh, some more answers here. You know, um, you know, of course, we have so many people working in a business like this. Dave's not the only one there. Maybe some of these other people uh, who were working there you know, all these years later, maybe they know something, they've been uh, maybe fearful about coming forward, or they suddenly remember something, you know, anything like that, that's what we're always, you know, hoping to do with these episodes, surely. And uh, I appreciate you being on this episode of Unfound. Okay, well, thank you again for having me on. You're welcome. And that was my September 26th, 2023 interview with Stephanie McNeil sister of John Spira. I thank her for joining me and all of you on this episode. Given the wealth of information John's family collected over the last 16 years, Stephanie and I missed a few things in our talk that I want to tell all of you about now. And a couple of those points will also be follow-ups to topics discussed in the interview. There are quite a few, so bear with me. First, the fire. If you can believe this, after it had occurred, Dave told John's family that he thought John may have caused it. Yes, even though John had been missing for six months at that point, Dave also tried to point the finger at Stephanie as being the arsonist. Second, John's money situation. It was not good. He owed his own business over $300,000 in 2007 and was in debt to the tune of almost $50,000 in another business venture. Third, John's desire to hide his divorce from Dave. In the divorce settlement, that was about to be signed between John and Suzanne, there was a provision that neither was allowed to contact business partners. Of course, since I don't think Suzanne had any contacts of that type, what it essentially meant was that Suzanne was not allowed to talk to Dave or anybody else about any businesses concerning John. Fourth, the intentional fire that destroyed the business. If you were wondering, the insurance company did pay out on the claim, despite the arson being unsolved to this day. Fifth, the disappearance of Scott Arcaro, who went missing the day before from the same area, and he and John seemed to have mutual friends. His remains were found in March 2013. No cause of death has been listed. However, police have been quoted in articles saying that they believe someone murdered Scott. Yet, no suspects have been named publicly. Scott had a history of drug charges and mixing with the wrong crowd. Sixth, and finally, in speaking to John's fellow band member, I learned a few things. The biggest point was that all the musicians thought John would eventually show back up alive. They were thinking this even weeks after his disappearance. 
The other point was that the band members did not really share much to each other about their lives outside of the band. They got together, they played, they went home. That was it. So this band member who spoke to me could not really give me any insight into Suzanne, Dave, or anybody else John knew. Now for my summation. The way I see it, we have quite the paradox for John's disappearance. What do I mean? We have Suzanne, a person who had a lot of motives to want John dead. Yet, she seemingly did not have the opportunity or the ability to make it happen on her own. On the other hand, we have Dave, a person who had the opportunity and ability to make John disappear Yet, in my opinion, the motive is unclear. What, Dave killed John over business? Did he kill him because John didn't tell Dave about his divorce? Even if this were spur of the moment, Dave cleaned up the area that well? Sure, the paradox is resolved by thinking that the two became a team. Suzanne with the desire and Dave with the means and opportunity. And it was planned so it would be nice and neat. And Dave shoveling Suzanne's sidewalk could tell us they knew each other better than everyone suspected. However, there are problems with this thinking. Why would Suzanne be involved in a disappearance in which she would have to know that she would not be able to collect on John's life insurance. She doesn't seem like the type to let money slip through her fingers. Yes, I know the fire insurance payout, but would she really want to wait six months or a year for her money? And there's no guarantee that the insurance company would pay the burn off. Likewise, why would Dave volunteer himself to be part of a scheme in which from day one everybody would suspect he was a murderer all on his own. Because that would be predictable even before they hatched the plan. The biggest problem, and this is despite Dave going to shovel Suzanne's sidewalk or whatever, if he even did that, is that each of the two would know enough about the other to never even bring up the murder of John as an idea. Why do I say that? If the disappearance were Dave's idea, why bring it up to Suzanne, who was nuts? If the disappearance were Suzanne's idea, really she thought Dave, John's longtime friend, had the potential to be a good partner in this? That Dave wouldn't go blab to John in like two seconds? Because here's what we all know. In anything... We don't bring up ideas and plans to people we don't trust. Why? It's risky business. If you'd like to hear and read more of my in-depth analysis into the disappearance of John Spira, please go to patreon.com forward slash unfoundpodcast to partake in the unfound blog. Until then, I leave the public theorizing up to you. And that's the program. Right now, while you are in your podcast platform, Spotify, YouTube, iTunes, wherever, give Unfound a five-star review, a thumbs up, whatever that platform allows. I thank you for listening. I'm Ed Denzel, and you've just finished this episode of Unfound.